Scripture passage from which the message comes today is from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. Paul uh, writes for Timothy, 1 Timothy 4, 11 through 16. And he's talking to his, Paul is talking to his um, uh, son in the faith. Timothy is a pastor and he's young. And so Paul is uh, giving him some pastoral advice. And he says, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Pray with me just a moment, please. Heavenly Father, again we ask that you pour out your Spirit upon us and among us, that this morning we may hear your Word through these words, and your Word would have its proper effect in our hearts. We pray this, believing in Jesus' name. Amen. You may have heard the, the story um, about a woman in a convertible that... Um, uh, she, she was second in line at the turn lane, the left turn lane, at an intersection. And um, she was in a hurry, and um, the arrow comes on, and the guy in front of her is fooling with his phone and is not paying attention. Beep! She sits on her horn, and he kind of looks at her, and he looks at the light, oh, and, he, and so, and he turns just at the wrong time for her. Now, she's not going to run that light because there's a policeman behind her that she's already noticed. So, uh, and she went ballistic, shouting at the guy in front, you know, making rude hand gestures, turning the air blue with her language. Well, the policeman behind her turns on his lights and says through the speaker, uh, ma'am, please pull over at your earliest convenience. Oh, great. She pulls in the parking lot. She gets out and says, I didn't run the light. I saw it turn yellow. I didn't, I didn't run the light. What are you pulling me over for? He said, license and registration, please. Oh, great. So she gives him that. He walks back to his car, um, comes back and gives her the the papers and and says uh, sorry to pull you over ma'am uh, have a nice day drive safely what uh, what you what you do did you pull me over for yelling at that guy he says ma'am actually i noticed that there was a christian fish on the bumper of your car and a bumper sticker that said follow me to faith church and your language and behavior was such i was sure you were driving a stolen car 
you've heard that, but thanks for laughing anyway. The, um, you know, um, what, what example, and, and, and I'm starting with that to say, what example am I setting? Uh, consider this. When my days on earth are accomplished, how will I be remembered? When all is said and done, what will I leave behind faith-wise? Now, as a pastor, it's not unusual for me to sit down with a grief-stricken family to plan the funeral for a loved one who has died. We talk about the details of the service, who does what and when does what and and all all of that. But I also found that, well, I do something that I found to be both therapeutic for the family and helpful to me. Some of you have experienced this as... um, uh, as one to deliver the funeral message, you want to hear about the, the folks. And I ask the question, if you had to sum up your loved one's life in a one word or a phrase, what would that be? And then we reminisce about their loved one. We think back over the scope of that person's life when times were good. And it's an amazing experience to share those things, uh, those intimate, usually intensely sweet moments with the family. We'll cry, we'll laugh, uh, and then they'll sum up their loved one's life in a word or phrase. Things like, he was generous, he would give you the shirt off his back. Things like, she was all about family, she was willing to sacrifice everything for her family. Things like her faith, my sweetest memories of mom, or her telling us how she got through hard situations when we were going through hard situations ourselves. And at that time, almost 100% of of those memories are sweet and nourishing to the soul. Healing, strengthening. Now, I know, I know, um, sometimes there's anger and lifelong hurt. And I've done some funerals for rascals. And I, and, and I know that the family is sanitizing things uh, for the preacher. But most often, most often, the loved ones share the noble, the honorable memories. People are generally kind, gracious, and thoughtful in their remembering. And and not always. Uh, We do the same, though, with grave markers. You'll see if you go through a cemetery, you'll see a marker that says something like God needed another angel. And you'll see things like he was the kindest man I ever knew and things like loving wife and mom. But it wasn't always like that. In earlier days, folks seemed to be amazingly blunt about their epitaphs. Um, You find some interesting thoughts on gravestones. You can Google and find these things. In Nova Scotia, there's one that says, Here lies Ezekiel Ackle, age 102. It seems the good die young. (laughs) you got to think about that one a little bit, don't you? Okay, Uh, anyway. Uh, in, 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 ancient, <laughs> in ancient cemetery in England, uh, two things from there. One says, beneath this stone, a lump of clay, lies Arabella Young, who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue. 
who would put that? But another British gravestone um, engraved. Um, the, it says, remember me as you walk by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, so shall you be. Remember this and follow me. To which some knave added, to follow you I am not content until I know which way you went. <laughs> Just goes all the example. See, that's, that's the example. What do you think? What do you think? At the end of the day, what will people say about you in matters of faith? If they're totally candid and honest, how might your epitaph read? Sisters and brothers, I'm thinking every one of us at the end of our days want to have something honorable and noble that will uh, be here after we're gone and something that will last, certainly something in a spiritual sense for those are the things that last for eternity. So what example am I setting today? As I told you, Timothy was uh, a protege of, of Paul. Uh, Paul was his mentor and uh, a spiritual father. He had led Timothy to Christ. Timothy was the, uh, was the pastor, if you would, at the, of the church at Ephesus. And um, Timothy represented Paul's spiritual legacy. And as you can see from our text, Paul wanted Timothy to be a fitting legacy. Verse 12 says, set an example for the believers. Example, you see, in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Set an example, Paul writes. Be a model for the Christian faith. If somebody wants to see what, Christian, what a Christian talks like, lives like, loves like, has faith like, con how a Christian might conduct themselves in purity of heart, thought, speech, and action, have them look at you, he says. Now, that may be a task we're unwilling to take on uh, ourselves, you know, to say, hey, if, if you want to see a, a perfect example of the Christian faith, you know, look at me. Mm, I, mm, I, I think, at least in my case, I feel like a leopard in, I mean, a Christian in, as a, let me say it. I feel like a leopard Christian, you know, Christian in spots. Some of those are real good and some are, are not, you know, but, um, but if I'm going to have a legacy of faith. If I'm going to be an example, I have to be willing to set a godly, consistent standard for my own life and be willing to be a consistent to live a consistent life of Christian integrity. A model because somebody's always watching. Newt Larson was a pastor of a, of a huge church called The Chapel in Akron, Ohio for 20, 25 years. And he tells this story, and I'll tell it as I heard him tell it. Um, he says, it, it had been a busy day, and I, I needed to get out of the office on time because my wife had invited folks over for dinner, and, uh, and I needed to be there, of course. 
uh, to be there for dinner. And so uh, I was getting ready, and, and um, a parishioner walked in just as I was gathering up my things to leave. And, uh, and uh, I listened, and he had, we addressed those that, that which he needed. And, and now I'm in a hurry. Now I'm behind. And, and, um, and I'm on the way out, and my phone rings. And my wife asked me to stop by the grocery store and pick up a few items that we need for the meal. And I'm thinking, wow, now I'm going to really be late because she's going to need these things before we can have the meal. So we're really going to be late. And I despise being late. And so I get to the grocery store and I look around those acres of shelves there. And I don't know my way around. I hate grocery shopping. I think there'll be grocery shopping in hell. You know, that's just, I, I just hate that. And it seems to take me forever. I was just quoting what I heard him say. It seems to take me forever to find what I need. So I finally find the things on my list. I get to the register, find the shortest line, no self-checkout. Um, I find the shortest line, and I, and I get in it. Well, there's a lady in front of me that has a full buggy, and she's almost checked all of her items out. And I've waited, and she says, oh, wait, I've got a coupon <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> so, and, oh, and so she's digging around in Carlsbad Cavern for a, uh, for a mayonnaise coupon. And, um, and, you know, and I, oh my goodness, and the lady that was behind me, she's already gone to another, uh, to another aisle, and I see her out getting in her car out there in the parking lot. I said, oh, great. Uh, so uh, anyway, and she finally uh, gets to me, and, and uh, the young lady starts to, to scan a couple, and then her phone rings, and of course she answers her phone, and, and she's talking, and now things are slowing down. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah, and, and, uh, uh, and I realize, oh, no, I don't have cash. Uh, I'll have to write a check, and so I do, and she says, may I see some ID? In my head, I'm saying, look, lady, I've lived here for 25 years. I've been in the office six days a week in a church that you can see out the front window of this building. The mayor of Akron knows who I am, and I know who he is. And you're going to ask me for my ID, but I didn't say any of those things. With a little huff, I pulled my license out and gave that to her. And she looked at my name and said, Newt Larson. So you're the pastor of that church down the street. And immediately her eyes filled with tears. And she said, can I come and talk to you sometime? I need to talk to a pastor. He says, I was just so glad that I hadn't gone off on her. Somebody's, somebody's always watching. You want to be a Christian example. Be consistent, steady, have integrity, set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity, because someone's always watching. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes a line that's very important to being an example, a Christian example. He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I finished the race. 
well, how can I be a good example if I quit before the finish? You know, nobody, I don't think anybody can appreciate that comment more than a marathon runner. They run over 26 miles all at one time. uh, Now, every marathon has a winner, but far more important to most people, to most participants, is finishing the race. There are times when it gets hard. There are times when there's pain. There may be muscle cramps so bad that your legs lock up. Our daughter Ashley runs marathons, and she has no illusions of winning, coming in first over the hundreds of other participants in the race. But you cannot imagine, and maybe you can, um, the joy she feels when she finishes the race. She did it. She made it. She finished the race. The Christian life is like that. It's not a competition to outdo or outrun everybody. It's a commitment to keep on running. To Even when it's hard. Even when it hurts. Even when there may seem to be nobody there to cheer you on. To run all the way to the finish. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Now, I know, I know, not everybody can finish the race at the finish line. Does that make sense? Let me, uh, some of us finish too early. Strokes, dementia, paralysis, uh, personality-changing conditions but generally generally to finish the race finish the race dr james moore you've read many of his books at the end of the day this book at the end of the day he tells this story some years ago a woman who had been a committed christian in his congregation who had been a committed christian for years and years she was seriously injured in a car wreck The next morning, the doctors came to the hospital room, and they had really bad news. And so we hate to tell you this, but your right eye has been so badly injured that we cannot save it. We're going to have to remove your right eye and replace it with a prosthesis. And she said, well, if you got to give me a glass eye, give me one with a twinkle. What an example. She didn't fall into self-pity. She kept running a Christ-like race, even when it was hard. You know, in gymnastics, it's important to stick the landing. That is, the last thing the judges see is when you come off the apparatus or the floor exercise and you land and you're able to stick the landing. People see that and it... And it colors the whole performance, the whole exercise for the gymnast. And I think that's kind of the same with us. That uh, when we finish the race strong, can can I use that word? When we finish the race, stick the landing. When we keep the faith all the way to the end. 
Matthew 5, 15 through 16 says, Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. I know, I know this message has been leaning, has been leaning toward folks who are closer to the end of their journeys than the beginning. But this applies regardless of age. It's never too soon. It's never too late to begin to live a godly life, a Christ-like life. In our language, our attitude toward life, people, and Jesus our actions. May we not be examples of, of prevailing culture or, or someone that, whose opinion doesn't matter, but may we live before Christ. Christ-like character. May the fruit of the Holy Spirit be evident in our lives regardless of our ages, that love and joy, peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and I forgot kindness. May we do it to the end. Be faithful to the end. Continue to learn. Attend church, Sunday school. Remember the good example. Attend church Continue to learn. Tell the story of what Jesus did for you as long as you can. Still backing that up with consistent godly living and speech and attitude and love. Always live the consistent Christian life. That's how you and I will be examples of faith. Because somebody's always watching. Let's pray. Lord God, I know it's, sometimes it's easier said than done to live a godly, Christ-like life. But sometimes, Lord, it's just easy when we place our hand in your hand and follow you very closely in your footsteps to allow your Holy Spirit to to enliven our hearts and our spirits that we may covenant to live our lives in godly fashion. Be with us, guide us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.